You are listening to the Alouette's Flight Deck, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. All right, folks, we've been clear for takeoff. Welcome to the Alouettes Flight Deck, the podcast dedicated to Montreal Alouettes football. I'm Cliffy D. You can find me on Twitter at Cliffy D. And I'm Tim Capper. You can also find me on Twitter at Repact. That's R-E-P-P-A-C-T. And this episode is presented by our good friends over at SportBuff, where if you use the promo code of FlightDeck-10 at checkout, you will save 10% off your entire order. So head over to SportBuffShop.com, save 10%, and enjoy your brand new merch. And you can find the Alouettes Flight Deck all over social media. You can follow us on Twitter at Alouettes FL Deck. Find us on Instagram at Alouettes Flight Deck. On Facebook at Alouettes Flight Deck Pod. Make sure you check out our merch store over at teespring.com slash stores slash Al's Flight Deck. And you can find the Alouettes Flight Deck on YouTube over at youtube.com slash Alouette's Flight Deck. And if you're looking for any episodes past, present, you can find our entire archive over at www.alouette'sflightdeck.ca. And at least I have to admit, because just in case if something does happen on Twitter, Cliff, and it happens to go down, we want to at least mention that we currently are over on uh, Mastodon. Um, just do a, I don't know what it is. It's so different, but it, do a search for Alouette's flight deck. It's same thing. Alouette's FL deck. You, you'll find us, uh, whichever server that we're currently on. Um, oh, uh, at, it's at Alouette's, at Alouette's FL deck at mstdn.ca. Oy. I know, eh? But hey, what, <laughs> there's not much you can do, dude. When it comes to when it comes to Mastodon, there's nothing you can do about it. Well, no, and and it's so funny. Like a week ago, yeah, I was seeing all the doom scrolling and all that nonsense about like Twitter possibly going belly up. And there's still some people that think it's just a matter of time, and maybe it is. Who knows? But uh, and. As a failsafe, yes, we are on Mastodon. I'm still kind of trying to figure it out, but I know, I know, really, really keeping you know hope beyond hope that whatever nonsense is going on on Twitter, just sort yourselves out. Really, like <laughs> I, I'm too old for this nonsense. I really am. Uh, obviously, we are. You know, Al's season ended with their loss in the Eastern Final to Toronto. The uh, eventual winners of the Grey Cup, the Toronto Argonauts. But Cliff uh, headed out to Regina this past week, has quite a few stories he, he wants to talk about and, and about his experiences, about uh, the things that the flight deck has done. Um, but th- there's still some great stuff to talk about too because the the, the lists were released today on who the um, free agents are going to be for the Alouettes and also a very interesting uh, end-of-year uh, press conference that the Alouettes held uh, earlier this week that we want to touch on a few of the subjects that were uh, that were brought up um not only by Danny Machocha um but also with uh, uh also with our our president um so it's yeah it, we'll get to that but obviously it's right now up to Cliff and we want to find about you know all the fun stuff that you did dude besides traveling west to go east <laughs> well that's part of the joy of going to Regina for Grey Cup is that uh Regina is not exactly a hub destination, so 
in order to get there, you kind of have to take alternative routes. Like the, there, there are flights direct from Montreal to Regina, but they are not cheap. Mm. Thus, if you want to go, typically you will end up having to go west to go east, as you said. Uh, as it turned out, uh, the original itinerary was uh, uh, Montreal to Toronto, Toronto to Winnipeg, Winnipeg to Regina, which a little bizarre, but there were, but there's very little downtime in between both. Like, so, okay, so you, you basically, you're getting off one plane, head to the next gate, get on the other plane, and off you go. So yeah. not so bad. Like was, the original plan was to arrive in Regina by about uh, 1 p.m. their time. Like that meant getting up at the crack of dawn here in Montreal to do it. But okay, it's Grey Cup. Just want to get there and get, get the party going. No problem. Problem is, Monday night... Uh, you know, start winding down, start getting ready for for bed, and you know, excited because it's Grey Cup and all that. But you know, need to try and get some sleep, so I'm starting to get ready for bed. And then I get an email from WestJet: Your first flight has been canceled. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's not good. I, I should preface this too by uh, Montreal got a major dumping of snow overnight, but. Uh, and I guess as a result uh, of this impending weather, that's probably what prompted WestJet to cancel said flight. So they said that we will be emailing you within the hour for a new itinerary. Okay, let's see what happens. This is unexpected and kind of disappointing, but let's, okay, let's see what happens. Get the new itinerary. And now they have us going to Regina later. Uh, they now have us going Montreal, Toronto, Toronto, Calgary, Calgary, Regina. With, uh, I think it was an hour and a half layover in Toronto. That's not bad. And, and a three-hour layover in Calgary. That's, that's not bad either. You're, you're gonna, did you go to Chick-fil-A? Because I know there's one in the airport. Uh, no. <laughs> no, there's not. I'm, there isn't? There's no Chick-fil-A. In, in, I you're thinking of, you, I'm might be thinking of, you might be thinking of Chili's, which, yes, did go to Chili's. I could have sworn last time, mind you, last time I was in the Calgary airport was seven years ago that they that they had a Chick Fil A in the airport at that time. So maybe it's gone. Maybe, but uh, yeah, no, must be. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, yeah, so problem is yes. If these were the only, like, you're basically looking at almost four hours worth of delays. Yeah. So not fun, not ideal, and got on the horn with WestJet and tried to finagle to try and get something a little bit sooner. And they managed to squeeze us in a little bit earlier, but still, still end up, you're going to be arriving in Regina, you know, in the evening, like mm -hmm. late evening. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, what are you going to do? You, you, you make the best of it. So you get on the first flight, no problems there. Fly out to Calgary. I said, wait out. Problem is though, from Toronto to Calgary, there was a delay waiting for uh, staff from another plane to get on. Oh my God. Yeah. So staff shortages, of course, you know, what, what, what are you, what are you going to do about that? Get out to Calgary. Uh, it's so funny in the three hour layover that uh, was there, they changed the gate three times. <laughs> they, once while, while in the air and then twice more as you're waiting for your flight. So like, well, Make up your mind. Which where, where do you want us to go? Like, what where were we supposed to do if we want to get to Regina? <laughs> like, where is the plane? It was just so baffling. Just baffling more than anything else. Not to mention, too, like, when you think about it, I had to go through four provinces when it was all said and done mm -hmm. to get to get to my final destination. And three time zones, no less. Mm -hmm. So, unfortunately, only arrived in Regina around 1230. So, unfortunately, I, got, I had to miss the meet and greet, the opening concert, uh, all that jazz. Disappointing, but 
I mean, it is what it is. So get to Regina, and once once you're there, it's great. I mean, we found an absolutely fantastic Airbnb many months ago. Very happy with the service there. Very happy with the accommodations. Just top notch. Absolutely amazing. Uh, the next day was be the CFL Awards. Uh, that uh, I was as a member of the media. And that's another great thing, too. I'd like to thank the CFL for once again recognizing the Alouette's flight deck as members of the media. Uh, we were accredited, and I'm, I'm very thankful for that. Uh, being able to go and attend the award show is very cool. And for, as, as far as media goes, you, do, you don't get to sit in the crowd with the, the rest of the attendees and all that. But uh, there is a, a specific media room where the winners are escorted afterwards, and you get to speak with the uh, the winners of the awards, which is absolutely incredible. That's cool. Yeah, I think I saw the pictures. It looked like a giant lounge. That's essentially what it was. I guess media lounge, I guess, for lack of a better term. That's yeah. what was referred to as. Uh, got to see quite a few reporters and people that we've even had on the show as well, which is fantastic uh, to sit and be able to chat with them in between uh, award presentations and that. So it was, it was just a, a really great experience. Uh, you'll be happy to know, Tim, that lots of people are listening to the flight deck uh, at least the media people are listening to the flight deck. They really like what we're doing. So keep up the good work. So, so we will. <laughs> yeah. Thank, thanks to everybody who, who meant, who said that that's nice to hear. Uh, so we may as well just at, at this point, we may as well just jump right into the CFL awards itself. Yeah. By, by all means, by all means, because I, I got a ton to say, <laughs> I got a ton to say, man. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. yeah. Go, go ahead and, 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 and set us up for it. Okay. Well, uh, as you know, three members of the Alouettes were up for awards. Uh, Chandler Worthy was uh, up against Mario Alford for most outstanding def- uh, special teams player. Uh, Tyson Philpott was up against Dalton Sean for most outstanding rookie. And of course, Eugene Lewis up against Zach Caleros for most outstanding player. And unfortunately, the Alouettes got shut out of all three categories. Uh, what to me was the most surprising was the we were given the results uh, of the votes, the first place votes. And what struck me more than anything else was not so much with uh, T- Tyson Philpott versus Dalton Sean. Like mm-hmm. that really, it, it was almost a runaway vote there to the, to the point where even a couple of people in the media had asked like, who, how could you vote for Tyson Philpott? Like no, no disrespect to him, but I, I think like there's two media members who voted for Tyson Philpott as most outstanding rookie. And they were, beside themselves about that. And I, I get it. When you look at the, the sheer numbers, the stats that Tyson or uh, that uh, Dalton Sean put up, I mean, led the league in receiving when you think about it Yeah, as a rookie. Yeah, and I thought it was it was going to be tough for him, for, for Tyson to, to win it too. That was one of the ones I didn't think that the Alouettes would, would walk away with. But I mean, no. people voted. I, are they, if two people voted, doesn't necessarily mean they were home, home or votes either. So who knows? Well, and again, without because they don't publish, it, it, I think it's up to reporters or, or voting members. Like the, it's up to them to decide if they want to release their their ballots. Yeah. So I mean, one one would assume that two of like the two Tyson Philpott votes had to have come from Montreal. And It's very possible they did, but there's no way of saying 100 percent yes or right, no. Right. I mean, yeah. So it's it's it, it's it's just interesting how it wasn't necessarily unanimous but you figured there'd be a, at least a little bit but i guess a lot of people just simply looked at the numbers and said okay well i mean and yeah it, it's i'm not discrediting uh, dalton sean's 
season at all. Like, he definitely did have an outstanding season. He really did. He really did. There, yeah. There, he he definitely did, deserved to win. It's just you just when you, it's just that look initial look at the numbers like wow okay like no love at all for Tyson that's unfortunate yeah. but what about the um uh what about the one for for special teams between Worthy and Alfred? See that one there was a little bit more distance and I thought that one would have been a little bit closer as well. Uh, Alfred ended up with uh, 38 of the 50 first place votes. Truthfully, I, I expected it to be a lot closer. Like I, I expected it almost neck and neck. To tell you the truth, I mean, when you think about like both these guys, the season they they've had, it was they both had tremendous seasons. Uh, different numbers, different uh, scenarios, of course. But uh, yeah. the fact that these and the fact that these guys were both on the same team to start the year. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. It, yeah, it, it's a great story all by itself, and just incredible to think about well it makes and i've been been able to confirm and i think i mentioned a few weeks ago too i I still think you know with alfred winning does does it make him the first ever winner of any uh, any of the cfl awards after getting traded that same year which is mind-blowing if you think about it you know even more even more mind-blowing is that he was not a CFL all-star too. Right. See that I know See, that's, what's so crazy about it. And, and, and all honestly, I think this is, this is one where I think West Western bias took over. I really do think that worthy I, I, people can say I'm a Homer, but I do think worthy should have won this one. In my opinion. Again, I was just expecting to be a little bit, listen, I, I was expecting to be almost a dead heat, but yeah. you know, I, but somebody had to win, I suppose. And it turns to be Alpha. I mean, I'm disappointed too because I, I definitely think Chandler did have an absolutely outstanding season, and if he had to give it to an Alouette, like that would have been the one to give, knowing full well the the rest of the story. But makes you wonder how, it, it, depending on when the voting was done, how much that last kickoff for a touchdown swayed people's votes for Alfred. You mean for Alfred? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could very well be. I mean, that's. I mean, you're supposed. To, I believe you're supposed to look at the entire body of work. And that's how I would have looked at it too. Is okay if I if I was given a vote, how would I have looked at it? And yeah, I would definitely have to look at the entire season. Like I mean, let's not forget Alfred was injured for uh, you know the the first I think three or four games of the season, which led to Worthy becoming yeah that guy becoming yeah. the guy that be, is good enough to be the Eastern nominee for the, for this award. And again, and maybe that's what it was was the fact that despite he was injured, not only did Alfred come back gets traded to another team and doesn't miss a beat essentially like he goes back and he is that superstar Mm -hmm. returner so i'm wondering if that was i think for a lot of people that that had to be what made them decide to go with alfred over worthy i don't know uh and the last one gina versus claros yeah this one that kind of bugged me just considering we you talk we talk about MOP, which is most outstanding player versus MVP, most valuable player. Right. This is like, and again, some people like to conflate the two, and it, it's not quite the same. Like I, I've always looked at valuable versus outstanding as two different things, even though it's for all intents and purposes more or less the same idea as far as how the award goes. I was shocked when I saw the final numbers. Caleros got forty-eight of fifty first place votes. That I, I had a hard time computing that. Like I can understand why some people might value Zach Caleros more. Like he may have been more valuable to his team, and it's hard to dispute that considering the Bombers went fifteen and three in the regular season. Yeah, and a lot of that was because Zach Caleros simply won football games. Like he was a very valued member of that organization. You can even make the argument if if Caleros had missed the same number of matches that Nathan Rourke did, would the Bombers be in the position where they are? 
I, I would have a hard time believing that. Whereas Gino, no matter who his quarterback was, no matter what the situation was, win or lose, he still had outstanding a lot of outstanding games. He he put up some great numbers. He did things that were otherworldly as far as I'm concerned. Oh and yeah. He, yeah. He he was he was the straw that stirred the drink here in Montreal. Like he is that guy. He is the superstar without any question. Like when you think about the Montreal Alouettes nowadays, it's you're thinking about Gino Lewis. They're, to me, like that's what made him outstanding is that he made incredible plays happen consistently over and over again. Mm-hmm. As far as I'm concerned, like for me, to think that only two people decided that he was worthy of a first place vote. I, I also have a very, very hard time believing that. I mean, it, it, again, if you're looking at the context between most outstanding versus most valuable, I could probably make the argument that maybe if this was a most valuable player award, you can make the argument for Zach Kalaros in that regards. Right. Me, I'm thinking more about the most outstanding part. And truthfully, I don't think a, a guy who's the quarterback for the back-to-back champions who put up another stellar season – I wouldn't say that's, I mean, it's outstanding, but it's not outstanding in the way that one would expect the most outstanding award to go. Whereas Gino was outstanding, even when the Alouettes were losing games and still trying to find their way. And yeah. despite all of the uh, extracurriculars that were going on with this team, Gino was still there game in and game out and just playing like his hair was on fire. That's yeah. just what he does. Like that to me was the outstanding part was that he was still able to be a superstar in this league despite everything that was going on in Montreal. Yeah, exactly. No, I agree with you. Um, any, were you able to speak with the guys? I know you did meet it, see them, I think after the, the, the ceremony too. And, but did you get to speak with them at all about, about, uh, how they felt about where they ended up? Uh, I mean, obviously I'm sure for them it was a, it was a, uh, it was an honor to be nominated, but I mean, did you get to speak with any of the three? Uh, I, got, I did get to see uh, Gino and Tyson afterwards at other events, and I got to speak with them a bit about, you know, all sorts of things, really. But uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, they understood what uh, what was going on. I think, if anything, it's just, it was motivation now, it, it, as if they needed more motivation for 2023. Mm-hmm. I think this was this was is just going to further fuel the fire. Yeah, that, I, I, I that's think. what I put on social too. Use it as bulletin board material for them. Definitely. Like I, whenever I saw these guys, and it's funny, I actually bumped into it on a number of occasions uh, throughout the entire weekend, which was extremely cool and always so happy to see me, which is also cool and kind of humbling when you think about it. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it's it, you know. They were definitely enjoying their Great Cup experience for sure. Like you know, just going to different parties and bumping into people, and yeah, people were flocking right to them. It's like it's great because you have Eugene and Tyson, like kind of like the uh, I, I don't want to say the the old guard introducing the new guard to the show kind of thing, but you one, know, like one a, a one a one b. If you want to call it that, I I I think that's you know like even though this was Gino's first time at at, at a Great Cup festival and being a part of the the show, so to speak. Like, this was new for him, too. But, mm-hmm. you know, he was navigating the media. He was, uh, you know, kind of, I like to think he was kind of taking Tyson under his wing a little bit and just kind of showing him how to be, like, how to be a professional, how to how to do certain things like that. And Tyson was right there, just just as polished, just as professional. Uh, I, I mean, you can't help but love these guys, both of them. They're just such great ambassadors for the, the Montreal Alouettes and for the Canadian Football League, too. Yep, for and, sure. Speaking with other fans that had uh, encounters with them, like they were just gushing over how just polished and how, you know, 
how well they came across, especially Tyson. Like, even though he's still a very young man, like he, <laughs> yeah, he's, yes, he's, he's, he's more than half, half my age younger. Exactly. <laughs> well, look, look, he was born in the two thousands. I, I know mean, that, that's still <laughs> kind of hard to wrap your head around, <laughs> but still very poised, very generous with his time. Like I said, like, whenever we'd see him at events, like, you know, people wanted pictures, they want autographs, and he was more than happy to accommodate everybody. Uh, Gino, too. I mm. mean, they're just, look, you talk about prof- pros, pros, like, just professionals, 100%. That's the little guy right there. Unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to see Chandler Worthy too much. I don't know if he was really one for going to parties and things like that. Maybe not be, and that's fine, but uh, we'd like to have seen him, too, but, uh, yeah, you know, like, the guys were just telling me, like, you know, they're spe- you know, hanging out as much as they can and just taking in all the sights and the scenery in Regina and just enjoying the the whole experience. But being able to be there not as a player is so different, as we have heard from many players in the past. It's so different being there as a spectator, which is basically what they were, versus being in the game itself. Obviously, they sure they would trade for it, but still, it's a, it's a different uh, different vibe. Oh yeah, and there's no question they definitely felt they should have been there and it has to be a motivating factor for them. I, I think now that they can say that, yes, we've now seen what Grey Cup is like as a non-participating team, and they enjoyed it. But at the same time, as you said, they would trade in a in a New York minute, they would trade that to be suiting up and being out there in the cold on Sunday, exactly. for sure. Yeah, I, I, I some of the things I love, by the way, I'm sure many people saw it on social. I love that the, the, the 360 cam room. That was cool. That's that's pretty slick. And the people don't know what we're talking about. It's basically they have a camera. It rotates basically on a full 360 degree axis and takes pictures. Yeah. So you get like the yeah, it's kind of a crazy effect because you're you're just standing still and the camera goes around you. Mm-hmm. But when you watch the video, it looks like you're turning around 360. Mm-hmm. It, it, man, technology is cool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it, 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 it kind of gave events like that, like great cup events, it kind of gave that extra little gravitas like i give it a, a little extra like it really made it that much more upscale like it made it like a more of a made it more of a thing than, than what it may have been in the past because yeah. it really showed like what hey this is what technology is this is you know this is 2022 we want to be a part of the big time and this is how you do it yeah exactly um uh, we have I think what obviously we're we're going to lead it to the game, even though the Owls weren't in, we're going to just you know give our, our quick thoughts about it. But uh, following the um, following the awards ceremony, um, what else did you were you able to take take advantage of and, and take part in? A lot of it was just going out go throughout the Grey Cup Festival. Like it was just incredible to take in all the sites and all the events that they had going on. There is so much going on, uh, along with your co-host bugging you more than once to buy him a shirt. Yes. yes. <laughs> Which I thank and, you for, by the way. Oh, happy to do it. I mean, it's uh, that's the thing. Like, lots of great cup merch was uh, being sold, a lot like jerseys, uh, t shirts, hats. I mean, there was, well, people were rocking Grace Cup stuff all over the place, which always good. It's great for the coffers, it's great for the league. You know, you. You definitely love to see it. Like that's one thing with uh, football fans, and especially like people in Saskatchewan too. Like there was a sense of pride throughout the entire weekend. Like they really wanted to show off that you know, like even though this is technically the smallest city with a CFL team, people love their football in Saskatchewan. I, I think that's it's it's undisputed and it has been undisputed for a long time. But people really truly love the CFL. They love the Riders no matter what, and 
they wanted to show like, hey, this is our Grey Cup. We want to make this a once in a lifetime event. And I would say based on the if you take the entire weekend into account, like from start to finish, I think they nailed it. Like they showed that they can host this party and people showed up and had themselves a good time. It was so great to see there. There's so much to see. There's so much to do. It mm-hmm. it was just a really great festival atmosphere, like just really true. It's what you would come to expect from from the Grey Cup. It so makes me want it to come back to Montreal. Please. Alouette's ownership. Let's get it back here to Montreal. We know where the next two are going to be, Hamilton and BC. We're so due. We're so due. And it's funny, too, because people were, like, as soon as they see that you're, like, you know, they, they saw the podcast. And first of all, shout out to everybody who came up and acknowledged, like, they saw the, the logo and they're asking about the podcast, asking about you and I. They're asking about, you know, all sorts of stuff and just. So many, we got lots of listeners out there, folks. And believe me when I say it, we appreciate each and every one of you. But the one question that people are asking me more than anything else, I guess as a sort of representative for Montreal is, when are the Alouettes going to host a great cup? When, when's Montreal going to be able to host a great cup again? And really, the only answer truly is, you just can't have snow on Olympic Stadium. And I, I just don't truly foresee a, a scenario where Percival Molson would host the great cup game. Due to the size, due to... Yeah, even with expansion, maybe they could squeeze in 30, maybe? Maybe. Uh, Maybe. And even then, it would still be tight AF. Mm -hmm. But I I, I think realistically, if you're going to do the Grey Cup, it would have to be at Olympic Stadium. Whether you like Olympic Stadium or not, the reality is it can hold 60,000 plus fans. It can accommodate and... It's, you know, there's a lot of reasons why it makes total sense to, to have it at Olympic Stadium. But this whole nonsense about snow being on the roof, if there's, uh, was it five centimeters, I think, is the Something. Mendoza line? Yeah, yeah. But I think what people need to, who may not know, there are heaters still within the roof itself. So it helps, but it, uh, I don't see a game being canceled. I mean, look at it this year. We could have had it here this year. You know, we didn't get our first snow until... Uh, you know, it was it, the snow would have been gone off right. off the roof. But I, I'm I'm thinking I saw something on social media this week. I think it, I think it was actually CFL News Hub who actually did something. Uh, but you know, the next five places where this Grey Cup would be, and, and I think I honestly think that we will be one of the three years following the one in BC. I really do. We got to get it back here, man. It's been since 2008. Mm-hmm. So no, it's been. Uh... It's definitely been a long time, and as I said, there's there's an appetite for it. Like people want to come to Montreal. They again to them, they see Montreal as the ultimate party city. So why wouldn't you have, mm-hmm. you know, Montreal or Canada's biggest party? Essentially, why wouldn't you have it in arguably Canada's biggest party city? Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm I'm hard pressed to think of a reason why wouldn't you want to do that. So here's hoping, here's hoping that they figure something out. Maybe by 2025, maybe. Montreal could be in contention. Maybe by then they'll have figured something out or found a way to control the weather and promise that it won't snow. I don't know, but uh, something. Th- th- there's got to be something that, and because it would be awesome. Like there's so many events that are happening, and I, I think about the potential of you and I doing something for Grey Cup as well for mm-hmm. for fans mm-hmm. would be so damn cool. I've thought and, about that too, actually. <laughs> You know, like like I, I like what some of the other podcasts have done when Grey Cup was in their city, and like we could do that too. Why not us? Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, so again, we we already know twenty twenty three is going to be in Hamilton. Twenty twenty four, it's going to be in Vancouver at BC Place. Twenty twenty five. I mean, uh, if Gary Stern and Mario Cicchini are listening, let it be known that there is 
absolutely 100% demand for a great cup in Montreal. Yeah. I'm not sure how you would make it happen. I don't, you know, how, how you would make it work uh, over Olympic Stadium, trying to promise somehow that it won't snow very oh, much. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I don't know what it'll, quite frankly, I don't know what it'll I, take to, to make it officially official, play the Grey Cup in September. <laughs> no. uh, hey, with the way the schedule's going, it's going to be interesting to see. And by the way, we, we, we have to say, it, it's actually, it's the Alouettes, it, it's, you know, it's the Seagull... Uh, it's it's the it's the group the Seagull group that you know with, with has the controlling interest in the team which people need to remember so they would they I'm sure they would be the ones um, who would be deciding if and when they want to bid for the Grey Cup and hopefully soon hopefully soon I mean I'm, who knows when they're gonna start doing 2025 right right and again a lot can happen between now and 2025 too so I mean that that has to be kind of taken into consideration as well I mean. I mean, who knows? I mean, to me, I, I, I there's a big part of me that would love to see it at Percival Molson. I just logistically don't see it as a viable option. It would be so nice to go back old school, but yeah, I agree with you. I mean, unless you're willing, you're more than willing to pay seven hundred dollars for a ticket, like any ticket. But <laughs> I don't think that's happening. And the fact that there's no actual seats at Percival Molson Stadium, like, like. I mean, there are some, but not yeah. every single seat. Like, yeah. would you really want to pay $500, for example, to sit at your own seat, like on the bench for Grey Cup? It's a fair point. I think it would I go mean, to the, uh, it, it would, it would behoove the, uh, the CFL to, to do it at the, uh, at the Olympic Stadium. So, yeah. And again, especially to it, the goal, the goal of Grey Cup is to make money, right? Exactly. So, I mean, yeah. Like, like for the, whether it's for the league or for the Elwes ownership group or what have you. I mean, at the end of the day, you want to make money. Yeah. And best way to do it. You got, and again, being able to invite sixty thousand plus football fans yeah. to your 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 flagship, your premier event, CFL family, baby, exactly. CFL so family. That, um, do we talk about the game, Cliff, or, or is there some more tidbits you want yeah, to talk about? Talk about? Yeah, no, there's a. Like I said, was able to. Uh, I was very thankful to be invited onto the Rod Peterson show. Uh, it was good to see Rod. I hadn't seen him since uh, uh, twenty twenty one. Uh, so, but of course, you know, Rod like, is. You know, he's all about Grey Cup, right? So he wants to. Yeah. He, he wanted to make sure that his show was was there live. So I had quite a few guests on, and I was invited last minute. But uh, it was awesome to get on there and talk with Rod again. Uh, you, you closed out pre- the show, baby. Right? Like, like uh, this was totally unexpected. But uh, okay, yeah, you know, I'll I'll gladly hop on and talk football. You you know, I'm all about that. Uh, I got to meet uh, Reed from the Markcast. Super good dude. Uh, definitely a pleasure meeting with him and uh, just being able to share ideas back and forth about, you know, the, the whole podcast uh, universe with the Canadian Football League was very cool. Uh, yeah, throughout the, <clears throat> throughout the day, like lots of media stuff going on. So I was very thankful to be a part of that. So it was tremendous. I mean, like when it, when it comes to covering the, the Grey Cup, I mean, there's so much that goes into it, so much that happens behind the scenes that I think typical fans don't really know about or maybe even appreciate. But I mean, there's so much that happens. And the fact that stuff goes goes off pretty much without a hitch is nothing short of impressive. So, mm-hmm. I mean, anybody that's involved, like whether it's like, you know, print journalism, uh, television, radio, podcast, any sort of me- media medium that does what they can to give this this event its kind of coverage you got to take your hats off to them and i like to think too like just us being able to talk about gray cup and see, seeing what i was able to see in regina and i can only imagine what you were able to see like just watching from from afar oh yeah i mean like everything that was there like i think 
this event got a slick professional production value to it. I mean, nothing looked hokey or out of place. I mean, it, it, it to me, like I, th- I, th- I think this, this entire league, it's media members, uh, everybody involved top to de- from top to bottom, just did an outstanding job of putting their best foot forward, presenting the product in the best way they knew how. And to me, I think it came across as professionally and uh, as polished as one could hope for for an event of this nature. Oh, they did a very yeah. Uh, it was it was it was very well done from what I saw. You know, all the cross all the way across the board. TSN. You know, the the people that they had there. I mean, Bo Levi. Obviously, we've seen him before. Do some stuff on TV. He did a great job. Uh, the guys over at RDS. I mean, they they just had, they did what they needed to do, and I thought it was fun um, to see to see on TV and, and on social and what they did. By the way, so there was a talking point, and now we've kind of skipped over it a little bit. I want to bring us back a little bit because it happened after the award ceremony, Cliff. Mm-hmm. Um, was your experience at the State of the League address? Because there was some interesting information that, that was that came out of this, out of the fan league address, State of the League address, rather than the report, <laughs> rather than the media. But what, what was your what was your experience like? Uh, you know, it's funny. I, I always laugh with the fan. Like, there's a, a remarkable difference between the media. State of the League address versus the fan State of the League address. Which they didn't, by the way, they didn't stream this year, which I was very surprised. At least I didn't see it. On, it was, wasn't available on social media, but I know the fan one was. The fan one was, yes. Yes, yeah. And the fan one, it's it's hilarious because I always feel like the same four questions get asked over and over again. And I even made a kind of a snide remark about it on Twitter a few weeks ago because I know a few folks were kind of interested to see what uh, Randy Ambrosi would have to say regarding certain things and people ask like what kind of questions are going to be asked and I'm like it's the same four questions over and over again when's halifax getting a team uh when's when's the great cup going to be broadcast on ctv uh, uh will the league ever consider going to four down football and then you have this at least you can always set your watch to it you'll have at least one fan just go on a long-winded diatribe talking about everything and nothing all at once <laughs> without asking an actual question yeah and wouldn't you know it, three of those four truly did happen. And I'll I'll let you guess which ones I'll, I'll let you guess which one didn't happen. Uh, I didn't watch I didn't watch all of it. I'm a bad CFL fan. Um I, I think the long diatribe did happen. Uh, yep. I know the Halifax one did happen. Yep. Um the, the the four down one didn't happen. It did not. And I'm pleasantly surprised because as you know, over the past couple of seasons, uh, with whether it's like with CBA talks or this uh, potential interest in working with the XFL or whatnot, the, the debate has been there about possibly going to four downs. Mm-hmm. And fans have their opinions about it, good, bad, or other. But uh, surprisingly, of all the questions that were asked at the fan state of the league, that question did not come up. So I'm um, you know, kudos to CFL fans. It seems like if there are fans of the idea of going to four downs in the Canadian Football League, they were very quiet. Like uh, I did not hear any discussion about that at all. So well, it's it, it's maybe not because it's not being talked about or being hinted at or whatever. But still, to me, the big the biggest outcome of this um, of the state of the league for the fans was the announcement of going back. And I, I don't know how it was prompted, but the announcement that the league is going to go back to Saturday playoff games for the Eastern semi, sorry, for the semifinals and for the final, um, 
it's going back to, to Saturday games for the playoffs for the first time since 2008. Mm-hmm. And again, it was somehow it popped up again in the fan state of league, but it, and there were some rolling, you know, some real big question marks on why it was not, you know, why it wasn't brought up in the, the media state of the league address. But I mean, again, I don't think it was prompted cliff. You were there. Uh, well, I think Randy wanted to sort of casually drop it amongst the fans because again, he wanted to get their reactions, see how, how they would react to it, whether it'd be good, bad or other, but, yeah. uh, and it got, a, it got claps that I, that, did. I, that I do remember saying, and I know how, and this is what I want to talk to you about. Uh, first, your thoughts on them switching to Saturday playoff games again since for the first time since 08. I definitely like the idea. And as I explained on the Rod Peterson show, the one thing I was thinking about was you and I going to the Eastern final, for example. Mm-hmm. With the game being in Toronto, we, we made the decision to go the night before, stay overnight, watch the game, and then come home. Right. Because a lot of fans will, you know, that want to travel to games like that, if they're able to, like – you think about it, like unless it's like Montreal and Ottawa meeting in the uh, Eastern semifinal or Eastern final, pretty much any other combination of uh, Eastern teams, you're looking at at least of a five hour drive in the West. Uh, same idea, like you're like the cl- the closest rival, like the closest rivalry thing would be Winnipeg Saskatchewan, and that's about a five hour drive there too. Unless Calgary and Edmonton ha- end up making a making a match out of it, in which case it's about three hours. So, I mean, if said scenario exists where you could, in theory, drive to the game, I mean, it's it's a big ask, especially on a Sunday, to get up at like 4 a.m., drive to that stadium, to do the tailgate, go watch the game, and then make your way back home. Uh, You know, like, I I know you and I, we we discussed the Eastern Final, like, we we thought it would be better to go the night before and, and, and be done with it, but... If the game was on a Saturday, that would change things considerably. And you wouldn't have that pressure of, okay, go to the game and then drive back home immediately because you got to work or go to school the next day. That's the one advantage I think of with the Saturday games is you're going to get more of an audience that way. Like you're going to have more people interested in attending. Like Especially like if, if, it's, if it's a home game for you, then it's a non-factor. But if you're, your team is, is, is the visiting team, and you want to go and support them the mm-hmm. way Alouettes fans went to Toronto to support the Alouettes. I think it would be a lot more feasible, and you might even get even more of a response being able to do an event like this on a Saturday as opposed to doing it on a Sunday. So your your thought is because uh, because of the Sunday change, people will be will be able to still make it, still make the day trip if they wanted to, mm-hmm. and then either a stay overnight because it's Sunday and then make the trip back the next day, or head back. That same that same day after the game, right? So just flip flopping what we did, more or less, yeah. Okay, what like, what is? I understand that I'm still trying to see the actual plus because we just we basically did that. I understand we got back when we did on Sunday, but yeah, we got. You know, I don't think we would have gone on Friday. We would have gone mm, on Saturday. Maybe, maybe not. But I'll, my point is, though, you wouldn't have that pressure. Like if you did want to do that marathon road trip, then. Mm. At least you'd have Sunday to recover from it. Okay, okay, I get what you're saying. Okay, now I see your point because uh, it's funny. Like, unlike you, I'm I actually agreed with what Rod because Rod was didn't agree with you when you guys were talking about it. I I, I mm-hmm. think it's just, just we'll see what happens because you know obviously the league did not or Commissioner Ambrose did not say how long this was in effect for. It was it just a one year test? Was it a multi year test? That type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, these days. The NFL really isn't a factor 
TSN has five channels, you know? My only thought is this. I will be on board with a Saturday playoff playoffs if it is going to uh, if it's going to finally allow the CFL on CTV. If that's what they're thinking, Cliff, or what they're hoping for, I'm all for it. I'm all for it to getting it on 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 free TV. I'm all for it. But if there's no real change or no no um, no opportunity besides, uh, you know, whether a fan gets home late or stays, you know, or comes the day before or whatever, I see I see no problem with a with a, a Sunday Sunday playoff. That's fair. Like, I, I'm hoping there's there's a method to the madness for, for this change. And, and I don't know if you thought about that. If you've thought about that when you heard about the change itself, if that entered your mind, or was it just more the fan interaction and the, the pluses for the fans? Did you ever did you did you get that thought in your head when it came to a potential of change of broadcast venue? And, uh, yeah, I guess I'll put it that way. I'll put it that way. Right. Uh, to tell you the truth, I I didn't truly consider it because I mean, Liz, even though people have been clamoring for CFL games to be on CTV. I think it's more the Grey Cup that they want to see on CTV because to them that's the the premier event and why why isn't that on free TV well, that versus I, that I agree to hell you could simulcast come on <laughs> we've gone over this already this year you and I have we certainly have I mean listen we, we we've we've made our opinion known about this uh, I'm sure Randy's heard it a bazillion times from fans from all nine cities about this I mean. To me, NFL, I understand NFL is the entity that it is. The NFL should not, it hasn't dictated, you know, supposedly in 08, Cliff, the ratings tanked. I was looking, trying to do some research to try to find it, but I couldn't find what the the ratings were for for the Saturday playoffs in 08. But supposedly they tanked. That's why they went back to the the Sunday Sundays in 09. Mm. Well, and let's not forget, 2008 versus 2022 i mean a lot can change in 14 years oh no kidding so. oh yeah well yeah yeah tsn is five tsn is five channels for example <laughs> they're streaming there's everything and i know that was brought up too and did you take any besides this did you take anything else away from uh because you know we we've heard brand you know we've we, we seem to have heard all the answers so to speak from from randy ambrosi you know whether you attended his Randy's road trip or whether you had been able to speak with him or heard some, heard him on some of the other podcasts or stuff like that. Did you take any, did you learn anything new from the state of the league? Not really. Other than (laughs) essentially it's the same stuff. I guess you ask the same questions. You're going to get the same answers. That's, that's the thing that I find too. Like a lot of fans really do like to take their opportunity to get up on their soapbox and just like, just launch verbal vomit at the commissioner. Mm-hmm. Just talk about how it should be this, how it should be that, how it should be this, how it should be that, and just go on and on without actually asking a question. And to the point, like, I, I don't know how he manages to stay on topic to the point. And maybe that kind of allows for him to not answer questions either. If you don't ask oh, a question, how can you avoid the question if you're not asked a question? So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. But- so, yeah, unfortunately, I didn't really take anything new or anything that would be like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. Other than the news of the uh, the switching of the uh, eastern semi or eastern western semifinals and finals games to Saturday now. Do you think it was a disservice for the way that Randy did this by completely shutting out your national media and not mentioning it? Because not everybody's going to watch this. 
You know, maybe they'll be able to see it on, on uh, well, it wasn't broadcast or it wasn't streamed. You know, maybe it would have come out in a tweet. Do you think, I think, that, do you think they did a disservice to the national media by not bringing it up? I, I really think just all Randy was thinking about was trying to get that fan reaction. I think he was hoping for like a massive pop, like everybody just losing their minds with excitement. And yeah, there was, there was applause and there seemed to be a lot of people that were on board with the idea. So I think that's what he wanted more than anything else. Like, mm-hmm. And media is going to say what they're going to say, and yeah. they'll have their opinions, good, bad, or other. So I think he truly was looking for that massive fan reaction. And I don't think he necessarily got it, but he got a reaction. And it was, I'd say for the most part, sounding positive. But to me, I, I, I think that's really what it was. I think that's why he, he waited. And also, too, I don't think anyone in the national media, if they had asked about that, whether or not, I'm sure he would have answered it. But again, it, but it wasn't prompted. Right. I, I remember. I remember how, when he brought it up. They were. Ta- I think a woman. A woman asked about a couple of things, you know, and it, it, the schedule. Uh, it wasn't really wasn't you know prompted as much. But I was speaking of. Suppose they're they're claiming that it should be out before Christmas, but I'm hoping it's out before. I'm hoping it's out next week. <laughs> and and also too uh, inadvertently. I mean, it wasn't denied or anything like that. But okay. uh, we we can expect to see uh, Touchdown Atlantic again in 2023. Oh, nice. Uh, not sure where uh, that that wasn't announced. It was kind of inadvertently leaked through a press release for uh, old Dutch potato chips. Believe it or not. Are you serious? Uh, yeah. Can yeah. you get any more CFL? <laughs> That's great. That's hilarious. Yep. And here's the interesting part too. They're calling it East Coast Classic. What? They talked about in this in this press release. I'm telling you from from old Dutch. They talked about the working together for the East Coast Classic. So I don't know if they're planning to go away from the name Touchdown Atlantic or if they're... Interesting. Or maybe even two games. I don't know. Oh. I can't say for certain, but... Oh, oh, oh. The, the way it was phrased in the in the press release leads me to believe that either a name change is coming or maybe two games. I guess we'll see. But suffice to say, there will be a game played in the Maritimes in 2023. That's cool. Had, so, I mean... I don't know if you want to call that. I don't know if you want to call that a scoop or. Hey, I, or what, hey, but. nobody else saw it except for you. So it, it, it's it, it's a scoop. It's a scoop. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Chips. <laughs> oh my god. Only, only in the CFL, right? <laughs> oh man. What, which ship? Which, which ship was it again? Old Dutch. Old, that's what I thought. I, thought I heard. You because say. they're 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 uh, next year they're becoming a league wide sponsor. Uh, hey, there's. Is that another scoop? Well, I not really because they sent a press release okay so, <laughs> they've they, they that, that was the the crux of the, the press release was to announce that they were a league-wide sponsor for next season i think the the mentioning of the east coast classic or td atlantic was just i guess kind of a throwaway line but maybe they didn't realize it was and at least like i said it i'm not saying that that's making it official but they pretty much pretty much you can expect to see a game being played in the maritimes in some way shape or form wow that's cool that's cool uh, the way I'm reading it, by the way, I found it. It's on the on the press by the website. They, meaning Old Dutch, will also have strong fan engagement at the East Coast Classic, comma Touchdown Atlantic, comma supporting their initiative to grow the Old Dutch presence in Eastern Canada. I have a feeling it's going to be. I would. It would be cool if it were more than one game, but I have a feeling it's. I think it's just going to be. It's Touchdown Atlantic, but still, that's cool, dude. <laughs> that's cool. Um, uh, anything else before game time? Oh. As I said, I actually got to, in addition to running into uh, all kinds of players, uh, the most notable, though, John yeah. Cornish. 
got to run into him. Super nice guy. Nice. I, I thought that was really cool. Like he was so happy to see fans and, and talk with them and everything like that. And uh, just a really nice dude. I mean, he also showed up with uh, his uh, all of his uh, championship bling on, which is cool. You know, so. But yeah, just a super nice guy. I, I got nothing bad to say about John Cornish. I, I know, if, uh, you know, and yes, folks, he was wearing a belt, so didn't have to worry about his pants <laughs> falling down or anything. <laughs> he wasn't mooning anybody in, intentionally or otherwise. So I, I can report that much that he did wear a belt with his pants. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's funny as hell. Um, um, yeah, I, I mean, as far as uh, like the festival goes, uh, I mean, it's just great atmosphere all around. Uh, being in the city itself and going to different events, uh, like the, uh, the the unofficial tweet up that it happened. Yeah, uh, I'm, because I'm, glad, I'm glad that was unofficially brought back. You, well, you can thank uh, CFL fans on Twitter for that because the league had no plans to do any sort of get together for fans, like, you know, whether you want to call it a tweet up or fan meetup or whatever the heck you want to call it. I mean, meet and greet. Yeah. Meet and greet. So, but nothing officially from the league for that. So uh, a couple fans decided to take it upon themselves to, to organize their own. And my goodness, they showed up big time. Like the, I think capacity was 150 people at this restaurant. Mm-hmm. And I, I gotta believe it was close to, if not over it, even at some points, I mean, it was jammed with, with people and just Absolutely so much fun meeting people for the first time, like people I've, I've known and followed on Twitter and, you know, people that know us as well. Like it, it was just great to interact. And finally meeting a lot of these people for the first time was just super cool. It's one thing to see, you know, words on a screen and seeing the tweets and from other CFL fans in it, which is great. But then to actually get to meet them in person, super cool. It was, it was just a great event. Uh Another great event was the CFL Fans Fight Cancer event, uh, which was uh, co-hosted if you and organized, if you will, by our friends over at uh, Piffles Pod. Uh, Steve and Alex did a, a fantastic job putting the, helping to put the event together. You know, on the Saskatchewan side of things, uh, working with the actual CFL Fans Fight Cancer Committee to put on this event. Uh, amazing turnout. Uh, lots of money was donated. Uh, when it was all said and done, a uh, little over $22,000 was raised for charity. Nice. Congrats to them. That's amazing. A- absolutely outstanding. Uh, I mean, I, uh, back uh, in 2019 in Calgary, I think it was uh, just over 18000 which was raised, which is terrific. But uh, And last year, I think they did 11000 But also, too, let's not forget, last year was the COVID Grey Cup, if you will. So didn't quite have as many people out and – you know, for that event. But this year, I guess, was their comeback, if you will. And oh boy, did they come back. I mean, that, I mean, nearly 22000 like $22,000 plus is absolutely outstanding. So I, I got to take my hat off to, to Steve for organizing and getting all the prizing, prizes in and just lobbying and just doing everything he could to make this event a success. I mean, my hat's off to him. Like we, we've known him for a long time through the Piffles podcast and just a good dude in and out. Uh, you know, man, I, I can't say enough good things about him. And like I said, the, the committee that puts this event on every year at Grey Cup, uh, finding the, a local charity to donate the money to and helping to spread awareness of this mm-hmm. event. Mm-hmm. And it's always, always jam packed too, which I love to see. I, I love the fact that fans come out for these events. Uh, you know, they buy raffle tickets, uh, 50, 50 tickets for the event itself. Also too, fun fact, the 50, 50 draw raised, uh, uh, I think it was uh, just over. Uh, I think it was thirty four hundred because the the fifty percent, like the the winner, walked away with well, almost walked away with seventeen hundred dollars. Instead, the winner turned around and donated that 
back to the CFL Fans Fight Cancer Organization. Wow, that's amazing. Like, just a, a class move all around. And and, so. it, and it doesn't matter either, because if for people who didn't hear, you know, the, the 50-50 also for the game itself this weekend, this past weekend, started at $500,000. Yep. But grew, last time I heard, the pot had grown to one point. $2 million. That's the last time I heard. Last time I heard it was $1.2 million. Yeah. Because um, you, if you were able to buy, you were able not, not just buy tickets at the game, but you can buy tickets online in throughout the festival and leading up to yep. the game. It's, but you can only be in Saskatchewan to do so, which I was like, damn. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but still, what was the final tally? Do you have any idea? Because I know they gave, uh, they, they stopped selling them in the fourth quarter and I never heard anything after uh, the 1.2 million, but that's, that's still, that's, that's, that's it's mind boggling. They do. It is. What, what is with out West being able to pull this off? I mean, the, lar- cr- the largest amounts I've seen was for the, the blue Jays exhibition game that they had here in Montreal a few years back where they, it, they, it topped out at a hundred and I think it was $110,000, but still that, that's amazing for Quebec. That um, is. But touching Atlantic, uh, the, the amounts that they've given away at, uh, the juniors games, it's, they do it so well out west; it's just absolutely mind-boggling. It, it really is. I mean, there's it, there's there's nothing like it. I mean, like Edmonton, Calgary, Winnipeg, like these guys, they just and Saskatchewan, of course. They they just they do fifty fifty draws like like nobody's business. Mm-hmm. It's it's incredible. And figure, okay, Grey Cup, huge event out in the prairies. You know, I expected the number to get big, but like when you you surpass the one million dollar mark, I mean that. That's phenomenal. That's Imagine nuts. <laughs> to, 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 to walk away with half of that is yeah, like, yeah, yeah. that's incredible. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and much, much better odds than what Lotto Max are. Exactly. Or, uh, oh my God. You. I was saying the exact same thing. <laughs> the exact same thing. What, um, do you mind talking just quickly about the game? You okay with that? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. What were your thoughts? I was very impressed, but what were your thoughts on hearing the Canadian national anthem for the very first time in English, French, and Cree? Uh, Incredible! I, I I think it was so well done. I it was kind of funny because I, like I'm I'm listening for all the parts of it, and again I don't know Cree at all. But and where I ended up watching the game too, like I mean the sound was not super conducive to the anthem itself. But I mean I still think the fact that they they had Tegan Little Chief come out and do a trilingual national anthem oh, yeah, is yeah, yeah. super cool. Oh, yeah. I, it was just it, it was great. I mean like I'm used to hearing the. And quite frankly, I think the national anthem should be sung bilingually at all events, whether it's in Quebec or not. But you throw in Cree as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just absolutely incredible. Like the indigenous accent that was put on throughout the entire festival and into the game itself was tremendous. Like they did a fantastic job. Even at the CFL Awards, there is uh, a couple of yeah. uh, indigenous acts as well that yep. Uh, yep. I saw did that. A, did a phenomenal job. I mean, there was such a huge imprint of it throughout the the entire province and throughout the, the game events. Just extremely well done. As far as trying to bring that into focus and making people aware of everything that's gone on and to help that sort of representation is just, it's tremendous. It's, it's It was really, really well done. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. Um, and also, it was so fitting I love. I we we get I, we you and I both get this hyped when when we have our you know our uh, our our military appreciation days here in Montreal. But seeing 
and he, obviously we didn't get to hear it like we normally do, and it's just rumbling through your body. But seeing the snowbirds fly over before the kickoff, not just once, but twice. Oh yeah, and we've we talked about this uh, like the flyovers in Montreal, like just they just get you hyped. And oh yeah. When it comes to Grey Cup, I mean that's when you bring out the big guns. Like when you got the snowbirds out for that, I, I just can't think of any better way to actually kick off the game to really truly say game on let's go like that is that is it right there mm-hmm. it's always exciting and people lose their damn minds and as they should quite frankly because it it's just so much fun it is so much fun no i know and why and obviously we got to see it because we were watching it on tv but i think they've done it before too maybe with the super bowl it's possible but having having the pilot in the you know in one of the snowbirds actually introduce uh, they introduced something, one part of the other, uh, right before the, the the national anthem. But introducing, oh, it was the the pregame show, uh, yeah. the the pregame music. But introducing that through the can, you know, being in the cockpit and and announcing that that was that, that's just so cool. It's just so cool. If anybody wants to see it, it is on social. Um, the the CFL did did put it out there. Mm-hmm. No, so. definitely. Uh, like I said this is how you, how you get people hyped for for events like this. Yeah. I mean, it's. This game, the, the, let's not forget, the Grey Cup is supposed to be a celebration, not just of Canadian football, but of Canada itself as well. Yep. And and to me, like it doesn't get much more Canadian than getting the snowbirds out, doing the flyover. Yep. Um, game itself, Cliff, what are your thoughts? Um, the first I, half was just... Uh, yeah, I agree. Kinda, I'm there with you. And I'm, I'm, unfortunately, I'm saying that's my exact same reaction to the halftime show. <laughs> Oh boy. I like country I mean, music to an, to an extent, but I was like, no, no, you know, one half of Florida Georgia line. <laughs> yeah, and then a guy who we've only ever seen snippets of throughout every CFL game. I like liked, every CFL. I, I liked Valley, by the way. I liked their music for the pregame show. I yeah, like I, that. I, I actually liked their their style of music. It was not bad. I, I will say it was not outstanding. No, and because I know you and I both don't listen necessarily listen to the same music, but. I think that it, it was it was done well, but yeah, halftime no. <laughs> no, it was. And this is another discussion I've had on numerous occasions throughout the weekend. It's just like you, you could tell that this was the CFL's Plan B, and not much of a Plan B either, to be honest with if you. Something like, happened. I'm curious to know who was supposed to be who was supposed to be the the initial the original halftime show. I, think, I honestly think, and a lot of people have kind of confirmed this as well. I think it was supposed to be Sean Mendes as the halftime show. Oh. But because he took a break from his tour for his own mental health, that kind of oh, I was didn't through. even think about that. I didn't even think about Shawn Mendes. Guy threw out bare, bare naked ladies. I threw out, uh, you know, some other groups and some other conversations. So, well, if you're looking for like a Canadian act and someone who's extremely popular with, shall we say, the the younger demographic, yeah, Shawn Mendes, yeah, that 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 would be the one that checks off all the boxes. And again, I. Couldn't name a Sean Mendes song, but I do know of him, and I know he's extremely popular. So that would that have created more viewers potentially? Would that have got more people buying tickets to the game? Probably not. But I think you would have gotten more eyeballs on you. The ratings would have definitely gone up considerably. Just people would have wanted to check it out for for that. Would have attracted new fans. Probably not, but it's still it w- would have been an, an event, and again on on par with what you've come to expect from a Grey Cup halftime show. And then when I have a feeling that plan went south, and then 
scrambling to find someone else and then you kind of go back to your roots like the 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 whole playing country music throughout every tsn broadcast (laughs) and who do we find like yeah one half of florida georgia line yeah and then another canadian country guy like Let's throw those guys together, and I'm sure they could make some music happen. Like, sure, sure. and uh, okay, you know, it's just to me, it just kind of it was, eh, yeah, like, you know, again, I'm not a country fan. I, I'm really not a huge fan of country music. So, and I, I think a lot of CFL fans, for the most part, are not fans of country music. Like, if you were doing this to pander strictly to the Prairie audience, even a lot of them were just kind of like, really, that's the best you could do. Like, they were expecting a big name act. I think I it's how it up. occurred, but. You know, then again, not to mention too, you took all this time and that's who you come up with. Like it just really came across as like thrown together at the 11th hour kind of deal. Yeah. Like it just, no. which it shouldn't be. No. And like, if you're going to wait all that time just to announce these guys, like, you, like if you were worried about everybody crapping over the halftime show and let's face it, I don't care who plays the great cup halftime show you're gonna find people are gonna complain about it oh I, yeah I, I even i even said jesus christ could come down from heaven and heal the sick during <laughs> halftime and people be like oh i really want to see rush you know like i wanted holy water uh the second where's, where's honeymoon sweet the, the like, second half of the game was a lot better uh it's oh. funny you know i can only imagine what is with toronto and winning on these these one point games but how it occurred i just feel so bad for for winnipeg's kicker i mean it basically was lost on that missed extra point and uh you know yeah and those what the wacky back-to-back blocked field goals that's just it like this year alone in the cfl there was two blocked kicks the for, for the entire season the gray cup game in the fourth quarter two blocked kicks mm-hmm. unbelievable like you 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 couldn't script this no you couldn't skip, but I, again, I feel bad for the for for Lego for uh, for Winnipeg. I mean, what what a way to basically lose the game. I mean, it's um, but my, know, yeah, yeah. And my God, he knocked Mwamba. He he, man, he he stepped up big time, and oh, he I made know. that outstanding interception. Yeah, that more or less sealed the game for okay. which which for, I'm for gonna, which I got a feeling I may get some hate for this. I don't think that sh- I don't think that's the reason why he should have gotten the uh, the uh, most uh, outstanding player for, of the game. But Canadian, the thing, like- Canadian, yes, Canadian, yes. But eh, you know, two years is funny. Never happened. We never had a Canadian win both, but now it's two years in a row. Uh, no, in 2019. Sorry, 2019. Sorry, 2019. Andrew Harris won both. But, yes, sorry, uh, sorry. Two out it's of not the, quite in a row, but it is two out of the past. Yeah, two out of the past yeah. three. Two out of the past three. You're season. right. Yeah. But that's just, just that's my opinion. I think there probably sort of could have been somebody else. So who would you who would you have gone with then? I I probably would have gone for Toronto. Um, what's his name? Uh, Ouellette. That's just you can make a fair case. He did mark two touch. He did score two touchdowns. And but maybe it wasn't enough. That, maybe because it wasn't a. It, you know it. He knocks interception really wasn't. Well, you, you can make an argument that was the turning point. Like that that was essentially what was the game. I think like when you talk about most valuable, like if he doesn't make that interception and Winnipeg scores, then we're talking th- about their three peat. Yeah, it's fair. It's fair. I mean, like they you still didn't change. Like, you still didn't change my mind. <laughs> no, no, that's fair. That's fair. But I think uh, I mean, like he definitely played. Like, uh, like you talk about the heart and soul of the team, and I think that's a great way to describe Hinoch Mwamba. I mean, it was like that when he was in Montreal and pretty much everywhere he went. And hard to believe, like this is 
it was the second Grey Cup game, but his first I know. victory. And you know what, what's killer too is Boris Bede does Boris Bede stuff and he still wins the Grey Cup. Not to mention uh, Jagger Davis, as we talked about. Oh, with, see, that, that, that's, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, his, his sixth Grey Cup game, his sixth season, sixth Grey Cup game, and now his second ring. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like, tell you what, you want to talk about who's who should be the the hottest free agent? So, people should be falling over themselves to get Jay Garrett Davis on their team because at least you know you'll go to the Grey Cup. You may not win it, but you'll go <laughs> to the Grey Cup if he's exactly. on your team. <laughs> but, yeah, the game ended up, uh, I will admit, it was the best way that the, that the game needed to end uh, after such a lackluster first half. Um, but and, you know, and, 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 and then Macbeth having to be pulled because it looked like he injured his thumb. Yep. Uh, you know, again, and Chad Kelly, Chad yeah. Kelly stepping in and basically leading the game winning drive. Mm-hmm. I mean, that impressive. I mean, and you talk about Chad Kelly, like he's, you know, it was almost like a, the butt of jokes for a lot of people because his, with his college career and how things worked out with him in the NFL, it just, you know, it's, a, it's funny how the, the CFL is considered a league of second chances and redemption if you want it. Like, if you're willing to yeah. put in the work, and that's what it was with Chad Kelly was, I think he knew, like, he effed up when it came to his NFL career. Like, and I'm sure there's a big part of him that wants to go back and prove that he's not just Jim Kelly's nephew, that he he can be a quarterback, he can be a leader. And the best way to do it, like, we, we talked about this, like, you want to prove your worth, come up to the CFL and dominate. If you can do that, you know, then you're, this league is all about second chances. And that's exactly what Chad Kelly did. And you got to give him props for it. Like he, he did a great job in relief of MBT. Uh, and now he's a great cup champion. Exactly. I mean, that's, that's incredible. That is pretty incredible all by itself. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and now it's, it's now to the point too. Like a lot of people were wondering if, uh, McLeod Bethel Thompson, if he were to win, win the great cup, would he consider retiring? Cause he's a journeyman quarterback who's been around for a long time and finally got his championship. Finally got, you know, got the ring that he was looking for. Maybe might be thinking about calling it a career. And if so, does Chad Kelly now become the man in, in Toronto? Yeah, we'll see. Won't we? We'll see what happens. Uh, and it's funny. It leads into the list that was, was released about the CFA, about the Alouette free agents. Uh, I don't, but I don't want to cut you off. Any last thoughts on your Grey Cup experience? Uh, I got to talk about this. Uh, for the, like, I could have gone to the game itself, and most people are like, well, you made all the effort to go to Grey Cup and go to Regina for the Grey Cup and all that, but you didn't go to the game. Like, no, I was invited by a very good friend. Uh, you know him on Twitter as RiderPrider19, Sean. He has a, fa- a fan cave. Welcome to all CFL fans, and he invited myself and other CFL fans to certain fans to come and watch the game at his place. So, absolutely, we're going to be there for that. And uh, watching the game and getting ready for everything that, who happens to walk in but CFL Hall of Famer and Alouette legend Nick Lewis? Are you kidding me? I am not kidding. Uh, my my hand to God. Nick that's, walks in. That's cool. Like, to a fan party. Nick Lewis, who could, again, he lives in Regina year-round. I mean, he could have gone to any number of events. He could have gone to the game itself. But no, he's like, no, I want to come hang out with my buddy. And, you know, Sean, of course, said you're certainly welcome to come over and, uh, you know, hang out with a bunch of crazy CFL fans. And he was like, I'm down. Let's do this. So in walks Nick. And, of course, you know, Nick and I, we have a, a bit of a history together, you know, good, bad, and other. Uh, always great to see Nick Lewis. I, I mean, we 
we, we, we bust each other's chops. We, we have fun. It's, it's hilarious. So throughout the game, like he's dropping all kinds of knowledge, right? Like he's, he's like analyzing plays. He's analyzing what both teams are doing and trying to give, he's giving perspective on certain things and that. And like, I'd be asking him questions too about like, well, should they be doing this? Should be doing that? No, watch them do this and that. And like, he was calling out stuff like, like, like clockwork. Like it was amazing. You know what? It felt like a Canadian Manning cast. (laughs) That's cool. Like that perspective of just being able to bounce football stuff off back and forth from someone who's been at the big game and played in the big game. We know Nick Lewis, he's won a couple of great cups as well as a member of the Calgary Stampeders. Mm -hmm. So he knows what these guys are going through. And in between like explaining plays and breaking stuff down. And he was also dropping uh, stories of uh, his time with the Alouettes too, which was hilarious because he'd compare certain people to certain instances of his experience in Montreal. Uh, it was just amazing. And you know, we got talking to him and I just throughout the entire game and talk about all sorts of things. And he wants to come on the podcast. So folks sooner rather than later, expect to hear Nick Lewis on the podcast and get ready to have your mind blown. Cause he will drop knowledge big time. And I expect him to come in here, share some stories. And he's got a lot to say about his time in Montreal and you know, Nick, he, he's not afraid. He's not going to hold anything back. So nope, I'm nope for what we've seen. I want to bone up when he does come on here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's so funny because I remember during uh, the 2020 Grey Cup that never happened, there was a, a virtual Grey Cup. I don't know if you remember that, Tim, but uh, Nick actually came on via Zoom while the rest of us were all on Zoom oh, on this yes. major Zoom call. Yes, I do remember that. And we got a little bit of that too. And uh, part of me was thinking, shoot, why don't we hit record? Because this is a. a we effectively had a podcast going at that point. You and I were talking with Nick about this, that, and the other, but now we'll get a chance to do it properly. And I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to have Nick on to talk about his time with the Alouettes, talk about his hall of fame career. Let's not forget he was inducted in the hall of fame this year. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no big deal. Just watching the gray cup game with a CFL <laughs> hall of famer. That's cool, dude. That's cool. I mean, no, no big deal. As the kids say, yeah. um, Hamilton- <laughs> so, so that to, to me, that was the that was one of the many, many highlights of this Grey Cup trip was just be able to say, yeah, I, I sat and watched the Grey Cup with Nick Lewis. That's and cool. it was phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, re- reminder that Hamilton has already released the pricing for the Grey Cup for next year. There is no date as of yet. Uh, so stay tuned to all socials and to this and to CFL.ca. Once the uh, once the schedule does come out, there will be a date and. That's when uh, that's that's when when you can start looking for your uh, Airbnb. So um, I'm glad you had fun, dude. I'm glad you had fun. I, I need to get to my fourth sooner or later. Somehow, sooner or later, somehow. I know people are at their 30s and 40s and 50s. Like I need to get to my fourth sooner or later <laughs> in another location. So well, I'm telling you, man. Like I think uh, I think we owe it to ourselves, whether the Alouettes are in it or not. I, I, I think the the flight deck needs to go to Hamilton, set up shop there, and do our thing. Mm-hmm. Simple as that. Yeah. Um, news that came out uh, this week. It was the uh, year-end media conference uh, with Danny Machocha and Mario Ciccini. Um Both of us watched it. Very interesting. Uh, some very interesting takeaways from this. Um, obviously, some of the things that we know. Uh, it's been reiterated again that Danny uh, Danny Mac will not. Most likely not be the head coach of the Alouettes. Um, they have some people in mind, external and internal, uh, but they did not announce who they were. 
So there's one thing where I think where you and I may have differed a little bit, because I know we talked about this before the beginning of the broadcast, is that how, how the reaction was, at least how I took the reaction to when it was announced that, you know, they asked about the head coach, whether he was going to be Francophone or, or if he was going to be from other parts of Canada. And I've talked to a few people. I've gotten a few different answers. I got the same one from you, a different one from you, too. Um when it was when it was asked about the the head coach was he going to be a francophone and it was stated that it wasn't necessarily going to be that was the case because you want to have the best person to represent the team and to take this team to the Grey Cup. To me, Cliff, it just came across uh, when the other questions were asked after the fact by the by the by the media is that I guess I felt that at one time point I felt it was a little confrontational or maybe a little hot. You know, a hot button topic type of thing, but I mean, I know you. I think you, you and I didn't hear it the same way. But my thought is, I don't understand. It doesn't shouldn't matter what language the head coach speaks as long as he's the right fit, which is what was re again. I've already said it, but but that's what was reiterated by Mario. Um, mm-hmm. Again, I, I I know I've already said what you how you thought, but I, again, I know you don't feel the exact same way on, and you didn't hear it the same way that I did. No, I didn't. I think it was the question was obviously going to be asked. There's no, you know, there there is no dis- debate about that. But I think it was answered properly by both Machocha and Cicini that uh, you know you want the best possible person, regardless of the language or languages that they speak. And I didn't take it as such that anybody from the media was perturbed or offended or didn't agree with that that line of thinking. I think it was just a question that had to be asked. And I'm sure, you know, a lot of people were wondering too. I think it all comes back to like the Montreal Canadiens. They, their head coach and GM have to be bilingual and preferably francophone. I mean, to me, I think as, as long as you're bilingual, that's the important thing. But I guess they feel like uh, the best way to do that is to have someone francophone who can speak English as opposed to someone anglophone who can speak French. Right. To me, I what difference does it make as long as both languages are spoken? Whereas... In the Canadian Football League, that's not necessarily such an important thing, or at least it shouldn't be such an important thing. And I guess that's something that uh, Machocha, who is bilingual, stated that I know it's important for you guys, for me to be able to communicate in English and French, but as far as the head coach goes, we want the best person possible for the job. We want someone who's going to fit within the organization and essentially lead this team to the Grey Cup and win it. To me, that that's how I took it. it was okay. That was his tone, and I think that's how... It came across. I honestly didn't detect any sort of hostility or anything of that nature from the media in asking it. Maybe that's just. I, I, like I said, it was a question that needed to be asked, but I don't think it was. I don't think there's anything behind it. No political or linguistic motivation behind it. Oh, I don't think it was political, and I, I've never, I've never brought politics on the onto the podcast. I just, I, again, I wasn't. I was. It was just. I just had the audio in my ear, uh, and again, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I, I said I've had. You have a different answer. I've had many people have different answers too. So that I've talked to about this because I, I asked specifically. I said, "Did I hear this wrong?" So you know, I, I think you've actually tipped it in the scale of I heard it wrong. So which, which is fine, which is fine. But it, again, it's again, it, you're right. It, it would have been asked. And uh, that's the funny thing. It, and it's only in Montreal where that question will actually be asked, like where it actually becomes an actual talking point. Because again, the last year, Machocha, who is bilingual. And was able to answer questions from both the French and English media with no problem. Uh, Mario Ciccini is also bilingual, also able to answer questions both in English and French. So, I mean, that's is that a re- sh- should that be a requirement? I don't think so. 
is that important? I, I'm sure it's important for a lot of people, especially for the French media. They'd like to be able to a- ask their questions in their own language, which is fair. But I also think, too, that there has to be a way to communicate. Make sure you, you get both sides of the story. Like, Make sure that whoever is listening to press conferences should be able to understand questions both in English and in French. Mm-hmm. Because, again, you have people that are interested in the Alouettes that are outside of Quebec, like people in the rest of Canada. So I'm sure a lot of them would like to know what some of these French questions are. So if there's some ever some sort of way to have a proper translation done, that would also be ideal. But again, maybe in time that'll, that'll happen. But uh, I, I don't think it was a major hot button issue, nor should it be realistically. Right. I, mean, I think really what matters more than anything else is whoever the next head coach is, whether it comes from the organization themselves or from outside of the organization, they just got to come in with the mindset and being given every opportunity possible to put together a winning football team. Yeah. Um, Another thing that I guess came up, because we talked about this earlier, we reported on it earlier in the year, um, the question that came up again about Percival Molson and getting a a regulation-sized field at Percival Molson. It was actually expounded a little bit more in the RDS article that was posted today. Um, There's there's some merit to this about putting a full-size field field at Percival Molson. Now, who's going to who's going to take point on this? I don't know because McGill does have a field house which we've mentioned in weeks past where they can do track and field. Uh, uh track. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um it has been 10 years since the Alouettes changed their turf. So I don't know where this is going to go because obviously if you cha- you go f- to a full-size field, you got to remove the track. This work needs to be done. The question is how quickly can they get it done if it does go ahead? And again, is it McGill? Is it the team? Is it a combination of both? It- yeah, because someone's got to pay for it. And if McGill's not using their track, then you can make the argument that the Alouettes should be allowed to put their full-size field in place. Because let's face it, the Alouettes are the major tenant at Percival Molson Stadium. That being said, that's exactly what they are, a tenant. So they got to kind of play by the rules of the house. And if McGill doesn't see the value in it, then, you know, they, they may say, okay, if you really want that, you'll pay for it, not us, because we're we're fine with the stadium how it sits. If you don't like the field, that's a you problem. So, yeah. And, and it, or, does, or does it come down to both sides realizing how important and how much it benefits both parties? And yeah. they come up with some sort of compromise. Yeah, because if you go back and you listen to our, our special bra- our special uh, episode where we were talking about the 25th anniversary of the U2 game, it, it was mentioned there that, you know, the Al- leading past that, the Alouettes were putting, based on their contract with the, with McGill, they had to put $100,000 of improvements into the, field, into the stadium for each of that, for whatever that term of that contract was. Don't know if that's the exact same thing now, but... And over the years, too, the Alouettes have contributed significant mm-hmm. amount of money into the upkeep and improvement of Percival Molson Stadium. Yeah. So it'll be it'll be interesting, but it seems to have merit because I think in the RDS article, it mentioned that there are talks going on between the team and, and McGill. And so I'll have to I'll have to I'll have to retweet that or get that out on, on, onto our socials because it's an interesting read. Um the other thing that interests me also, which leads into our last topic, uh, which bleeds into our next topic, or the last topic of the show, actually, is they were talking about, you know, they want to have a new head coach by Christmas, and that will leads into our, you know, to the list of the 
uh, the free agents that the Alouettes are going to have this year, because I think it was mentioned that uh, I think they said they've not started conversations with Gino, but Gino, as we mentioned last week and last week's show, Gino himself, he wants to be at a certain, at a certain echelon within the team itself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are so many variables for next year. And now, in your opinion, Cliff, if it they say by Christmas, does does that hurt the Owls when it comes to potentially getting some of these free agents to stay? I can't remember when, what what at what point can team other teams start talking to these because I know obviously they get I I think they get first right to refusal or, or for they get the first ch- chance to talk to these free agents first outside of the free agency period. You can talk to them anytime you want. Yeah. Does it hurt the Owls in trying to get some of these guys to come back or all these guys to come back, which we're going to talk about the list here in a minute? Potentially, but only because there are – you don't – it, it kind of hampers the team in the sense that you may want to sign players, but if they want to know who the, the next head coach is, that could play a very big factor because there are some people – it's very possible that they may want to play for somebody, a, a particular person, or don't want to play for a particular person. Mm-hmm. So – I mean, at that point, then it comes comes down to money because what else are you going to offer? Like, if you don't want to play somewhere, but hey, this, these guys are offering me, you know, five hundred thousand dollars a year to play. Then hell yeah, I'll play there. I don't care about that. But that it's the var- make- it's the variables, you know, that plus uh, guaranteed money. I know we mentioned this last week. We got the designated Canadian, which could easily equal to some more money within a contract. And even with talking with uh, Gino during uh, Grey Cup, I mean, like we didn't talk too much about the situation. Like, but he he sounds like someone who wants to stay in Montreal. He he's planning to spend a fair bit of time in the off season still in Montreal itself. So this is a guy that wants to be here, but he wants to get the numbers right, and he wants to make sure that it's a good situation. Like he's he's done very well for himself here in Montreal. There's absolutely no question about that. It's here where he became a household name. Yeah, it's here where he became the superstar that we know and love. And the idea of him playing somewhere else doesn't sit right with me. Quite frankly, if I'm Danny Machocha, and I've said this before and I'll say it again, I'm, I'm almost of the opinion you got to hand him a blank check and say, Gino, write an amount and it's yours. <laughs> that's like whatever it's going to take to make sure that he retires a Montreal Alouette, that's what you got to do. Like that's just the kind – he's in that category as far as I'm concerned. Like he's, he's in that rarefied air of Montreal superstar that – yeah, needs to be a part of this scene. As long as he's a player, as long as he can play and catch footballs, Eugene Lewis needs to be a Montreal Alouette. And whatever it's going to take to make that happen, and I, I don't see him giving a hometown discount. I think he's been very smart with the way he's done things, like year-to-year contracts. You know, he's making decent money, but again, as as a nominee for most outstanding player for all the highlight plays that he's made, like for everything that he brings to this team. He definitely needs to be rewarded now. He needs to be shown that he's appreciated and that, you know, this is our guy going forward. Whatever it takes to make that happen. I know it's easy as, like, supporters of the franchise to say, oh, yeah, just give him whatever he wants. Well, what did I say on social? I think my number I said was 250. Wasn't that that the number I put on social? I believe it was. And, yeah, I would say that's a a very good starting point. I mean, 250,000, by the way. I mean, to me, it's, it just comes down to whatever it'll take to keep him here more than like this year to year stuff has to stop. Like you got to make sure Gino is yeah. 100% an Alouette for years to come. And, give him, and the, give him the guaranteed in years two or three or both. Whatever it takes. I mean, I think that's that truly is what it comes down to. Like you can make arguments for any number of players for any any 
length of contract or financial terms or what have you. But yeah, getting Gino to remain in Alouette has to be priority one. I mean, yes, obviously <laughs> I can understand and appreciate why you want to get the head coaching situation sorted because that just may be the first domino that falls and everything else kind of goes after that. So if, if that's the case to me though, you got to keep discussions open with Gino and let him know, like, listen, we want you here. You're our guy. You know, we, we want to make this happen. So yeah. if it's a simple matter of having some say in who the next head coach is or anything else, you know, any sort of other decisions that, you know, he wants to give his two cents on, let him have it. Let, yeah. let him, let him say his piece, let him offer his thoughts and take that into consideration and yeah. make him feel like he is the part of the team that we expect him to be. Exactly. Now the, the name itself, these are the big names to me. Uh, out of the list, which which as I said, we have we have uh, it is on our socials. Uh, quarterbacks, it's our one and two guy right now. You know, Trevor Harris and Dominic Davis. Running back, Walter Fletcher. Uh, wide receivers, uh, Kayon Julian Grant, Eugene Lewis, Herg Mayala, Reggie White Jr., Jake Winicky, uh Chandler Worthy. Mm-hmm. J- just that alone <laughs> is. I think we. I I think it's more obviously with all these one year contracts, as you mentioned before, it, it's going to happen. But I'm hoping oh, if we can keep this nucleus together somehow, somehow, you know, it's. I I still think you know what we still need. We still need a Trevor Harris, a quarterback, in my opinion. It, it's crazy to think that I'm going to say this, but you're absolutely right. I think you got to look towards the future. There's no question about that. And Trevor Harris is not the future. He's the now. He's. No. The guy that will get you. He's now the guy that will get you to the future. Yeah, and and they brought up to, Davis Alexander again, by the way, in, in the press as, game, in the uh, in the uh, press conference. As they should. I mean, this is a guy that he's got a lot of raw potential. Like, but it's not his time. I mean, he's not Chad Kelly in the sense that you could throw him in there and he'll do what Chad Kelly did, yeah. for example. You can't you can't compare the two in that sense. But I think there is definitely something there with Davis Alexander that if you properly mold and nurture that that talent that's there and you can see that there is definitely talent there it's just you got to give them the 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 chance to develop properly yeah what and, and i'm not saying that this it'll necessarily fall in the hand in on into the hands of trevor harris to develop the quarterback of the future i don't think he's ever been asked to do that nor should he be but it is something you have to think about when it comes to your coaching staff for example like you got to make sure you have the right pieces in place to ensure that you're developing the next great quarterback for the montreal alouettes right now you I'm okay with keeping Trevor Harris on board, knowing full well that he may have one, two years at the most left at the level that he's playing. And he, he may actually may also be a piece of the of the puzzle for Gino to stay. That too, because again, even though Gino has proven that he can catch passes from just about anybody, whether yeah. it's Vernon Adams or Trevor Harris or Davis Alexander, even like, I mean, like we're not worried about Gino as far as I go, but you know that he's also concerned, like who's going to be throwing me, yeah. these passes yeah. who's going to help me make these highlight plays yeah and that that's a question absolutely that needs to be answered so i i definitely think you know i think just based on what he was able to do in that second half of the of the season it, i know it's people are losing their minds like you're on board with trevor harris like yeah i, I think for what at least one more year but with the idea that you have to look towards the future if you think it's davis alexander then you invest in him if you think it's somebody else then you get that somebody else whoever you think is going to be the, the and then you you got to put the time, the effort to properly develop that. Like we cannot have another scenario, another quarterback clown car like we had after AC was retired. You can't have that. You 
it, it comes down. This is what Danny Matosha talked about too: was having that stability to build something and keep it consistent for years to come. Yeah. Did you hear Trevor's? By the way, did you hear Trevor's reaction two weeks ago when they told him how many quarterbacks had been the starting quarterback? Yeah, I mean, he, he was like, "What?" <laughs> Since AC retired. Can we, by the way, can we really go? I would love to have a one-two, uh, uh, a one-two double-headed monster for running back, but I don't know if Walter Fletcher is going to end up staying here. I hope he does. I hope he does too. I, I, I think it worked really well. Don't judge him by what happened in the in the Eastern in the Eastern final. It just something something went, went within the play scripting. Just but, just didn't. Uh, Reggie White, I think, will be back because I think he wants a chance to show Jake. I'm not doing it. This is tough, dude. This is so tough, and this is just this is just quarterback and wide receiver. Yeah, I mean KGG, you have to. I mean he he really came into his own this year, and that's a plus two by the way between KJG and and Herji, They're nationals that which yep. is I think can help them. Yeah, the ratio busters. Yeah, um, I mean when you think about it too, like with Tyson Philpot being a national receiver as well. Yeah, I mean, extend you, him. You, you, God damn you, it, extend him. Extend him now. <laughs> <laughs> extend well, he's still him. On his, <laughs> still on his rookie deal, but yes. Tear extend. up the rookie deal and extend him now. <laughs> Just give him the keys to the kingdom. That's what Something. Um, any other names stand out to you? I know uh, Tyrese Bevret. Oh, That's man. someone that. Micah Awe did do a very good job when, when he came over. So did Thomas Costigan. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, Costigan is Nafis, a, a great Nafis depth Lion. piece. You know, Greg Reed, I wonder if he'll, he'll be given a chance. Uh, I think it all comes down to his injury situation. I think... Yeah, uh, a Darius Pickett may... Uh, <laughs> I can see him testing the free agency I can market. too. I actually, I can too. I think he put together a very solid body of work, and I, I think someone's going to probably offer him stupid money, and yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he took it. Yeah. Uh, Nafis Lyon came in hot and kind of cooled a little bit, but I think still is someone that can be an every down kind of player for the Elwitz defense and still someone that belongs here. And will people, will people get on board with Wesley Sutton? Yes, he got, obviously he got, he got reamed when he, at the beginning of the season by fans, you know, but he, he kind of got his act together. He, he did. He plays very solid. I mean, unfortunately in the Eastern final, he kind of got burnt a little bit. So I'm, I don't know if he was playing out of position at that point or what, but I, you know what I think about Darius Pickett was in that same boat last year. It's true. He was lost it's in true. the uh, in true. the secondary. Mm-hmm. They moved him into line, the linebacking position, and he excelled. I can't help but wonder if maybe if you find another another spot in the secondary, maybe you know maybe that's what it will take for Wesley Sutton. But I think he's somebody that has proven himself and definitely deserves a, a chance. Similar to what Pickett went through, because I remember Pickett too. Like he, he looked so lost in the secondary, but as soon as you put him at uh, at linebacker, who boy did he come alive! Mike Jones too. I mean, that's somebody that definitely needs to uh, stick around. Like he has just been so productive, and it's just just such an intelligent football player. Like that's someone who I I sincerely hope Montreal finds a way to keep on board. Like you don't have to break the bank for him, I don't think, but he is definitely one of those playmakers that. Knows what it takes to win, and definitely, yeah. definitely deserves to be back here as well. And I think what we'll do is because obviously this is a very fluid situation, we'll leave it at that. Check it out on social what what the list is. It's because there's so many variables for this team in the off season. You know, the head coach, whoever the new head coach is going to be, will be one of those one of those pieces, and it will go from there. But uh, stay tuned to uh, any of our socials for um, 
for any information that does come across and especially for, you know, obviously we want the, the schedule coming up too. And by the way, speaking of, this isn't our last show. We got we got we have a couple more things uh, that we want to do besides giving away the uh, the Delta jacket, um, but uh, we got a couple of things up our sleeves that we're hoping to do. And as I said, it's uh, we you will hear from us next week. You will hear from us next week. But Cliff, dude, I, I'm glad you had fun. Thanks for the stories, dude. Um, I think it just goes to show you don't necessarily have to be in stadium to go at, at the Grey Cup to enjoy the Grey Cup festival. There, no question. I mean, there's so many people that I've met over. Like, I've been to a, quite a few Grey Cups myself, and it's amazing how many times people are like, I've never gone to the game. I just love coming for the parties. I love coming for the, the festivals. I love coming for the lead up to the game itself. Like, And whether your team's in it or not, like you just don't care. Like, you're there to go and see friends that you haven't seen since the last Grey Cup, essentially. I mean, it, it, and it really hit home this year because this, this kind of felt like the first full Grey Cup since Calgary in 2019 because mm-hmm. we didn't have in 2020 and in Hamilton last year was I, I kind of called the COVID great cup because it was it was a great cup but just on a smaller scale than what it could or normally should have been and you still had COVID hanging overhead I mean not that you don't still have it now but I mean it's it just felt like okay we've got to try and get back to as close to normal as possible and I, I think that's what this great cup was for a lot of people was we got to get back to what it was. I remember what Grey Cup was, and I want to get back to that. And I, I think that was a sentiment for a lot of people. And even though, like, a lot of the diehards that were normally at Grey Cup year after year, they still have not been back to Grey Cup yet. Yeah. God willing, they'll be back for, if not in Hamilton, then maybe in Vancouver for 2024. It's that slow rebuilding. Uh, like, I guess not going back to normal because, let's face it, we're never going back to normal. And as I said before, that's fine. I think creating this new normal as to, you know, trying to incorporate as much of what we remember, the spirit of Grey Cup itself and what we remember, what made it so special. And being able to recreate that in 2022 was tremendous. And hats off to everybody who was at Grey Cup, the organizers, the the city of Regina, the CFL, everybody that was involved in making the Grey Cup Festival and the Grey Cup event itself what it was i mean hats off to each and every one of them because they did it they did everything they could to make this as memorable but memorable uh, an event as possible and i i can tell you right now tim i will not forget this great cup anytime soon not necessarily because of the game itself even though the game was pretty outstanding when it was all said and done but just for everything that had happened like it was such a whirlwind of activity uh it was great to see so many amazing people uh people that we know in the media as well. I mean, there were so many facets to the whole Grey Cup experience that, I mean, until you go and experience it for yourself, I mean, it, I, I can sit and talk about it until I'm blue in the face, but until you actually experience <laughs> it yourself, I mean, you just don't necessarily get the whole thing. But once you're in and doing it and you're a part of it, you realize that, yeah, yeah, this this is something that I need to do each and every year. And it, it there's really, truly nothing like it. Like, as far as celebrating this great game, celebrating this sport, celebrating this country, that's what Great Cup is all about. It is truly a Canadian celebration. Yeah. And being a part of it was absolutely outstanding. And already I'm looking forward to Hamilton in 2023. Cool. Again, dude, I'm glad you had fun. Uh, we appreciate all of, uh, all the listeners this week for uh, joining in for our 35th show. Of our seventh season, 35 shows, Cliff. Uh, We will be back for our 36th 
stay tuned for all information uh, that we may come across on social media. But uh, uh, we hope to have you back then. So for everybody here for the Alouette's Flight Deck, for Cliffy D, I'm Tim Capper. We're on Final Approach. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.